This episode is brought to you by PitchDMM, the football fan app that gives fans a voice and allows you to rate your team, the players, and pick your formation and your squad in real time, every game, and compete with your mates. Have fun whilst generating a voice that will be listened to. Your club, your voice, be heard. Get it now on Google Play and download it on the Apple App Store. You are listening to an official podcast from Kings of Europe, your football link to the European Super Leagues. everyone welcome to the kings of europe podcast your home for the top five leagues of european football UEFA champions league and of course the UEFA europa league i'm your host Curtis smith and i got a couple of housekeeping items to take care of on the first end um we do have now uh, official twitter handle i want you guys to start following us in there if you can it's uh at kings of e-u-r so that's at k-i-n-g-s-o-f E-U-R, that's the Kings of Europe Twitter handle. Also, if you have any questions, we, we do want to be interactive with you guys and get you guys feedback as addition to asking questions. If you have some questions about your favorite club, if you want to know, um, you know what we think about certain subjects, or if they're historical questions, uh, email us at uh, admin at kingsofeurope.eu. And also subscribe uh, to the podcast. Right now, we are still on uh, the, if you go to iTunes or Google Play, you can find us on forecast that's f-o-a-r-c-a-s-t so that's under the forecast uh still uh with the liverpool site uh that we're connected to uh we will be breaking off from that shortly in the future uh working on our own website independently as well as uh our own uh hosting so for right now that's where you'll still find us um as always i'm joined on this fine program uh by outstanding guests uh tonight we of course, have two more. We have Richard Carmen. Richard Carmen is of the uh, FC Schalke podcast, the only English-speaking Schalke podcast uh, that we know of in the entire universe in its existence. Uh, he's also the host of uh, the Sit Down Serie A podcast, um, where uh, he talks everything Serie A. And both shows are fantastic. I su- listen to them myself, subscribe to them, uh, even as a Dortmund fan. Uh, must say, got to go listen to the Shotgun podcast. I uh, was on, guest on there just a couple weeks ago. Those him and Jack, who was on this show just a couple weeks ago, do great work. Richard, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing very well. How are you doing? Doing fantastic. Fantastic. <clears throat> and uh, that, so he's on my virtual left. On my virtual right, I have uh, my dear friend, uh, George Bennett. George Bennett uh, is a former colleague of mine, uh, used to uh, be a, the, but he's actually the founder of GB Articles. Um, and later on the show, I'm glad I'm plugged. He's got a new project going on, GB Articles, uh, for the time being is no more, but he does have a new blog 
um, with some uh, also some good friends of ours that uh, are still that they basically followed him over from GB articles. Uh, George, how are you doing tonight, my friend? Hi, I'm doing fine, thanks. Great, awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, uh, now that we got the housekeeping out of the way and we've uh, so to speak uh, got the uh, table set for dinner, let's go eat, gentlemen. Um, we had a massive, massive matchup this uh, afternoon, evening, wherever you are in the world. Uh, Liverpool Football Club took on uh, AS Roma from Serie A, who uh, many did not expect to be there. Uh, was a what ended up being what looked like to be a blowout in the uh, first leg. Uh, ended up being quite a fantastic little fixture between these two sides. Uh, Roma showed a lot of heart, a lot of character, and really made a game of it when it really probably should have been at halftime. You know, most pundits were thinking one goal will do the business for Dor- for um, excuse me Dortmund for Liverpool, and that turned out not to be the case. Uh, Richard, uh, starting off with you, having having uh, just taken basically uh, another look at this match as you told me recently, what are your thoughts on this? Um, you know, obviously you have Liverpool who come out, they get the goal right there at the beginning, Mane with that beautiful shot past Alisson. We think it's over. Then something fluky happens with Millie. He gets an own goal. Uh, then Liverpool return. I mean, the second goal by Liverpool, or actually it'd be the third goal since they scored all three of them in the first half. Um, <laughs> the, the stadium was deflated. All the atmosphere had been sucked out of the place. The only fans you heard cheering were the lads and ladies that followed from Anfield. What happened in the second half? Where did things? What what happened? With, do you think Liverpool got complacent? And uh, what did Roma do to, to to turn this thing around and make a match of it? Well, uh, yeah, obviously yeah, Liverpool, Liverpool is the one who, the one who uh, uh, you know, you know, caught. Uh, sorry, I'm hearing an echo. Uh, yeah, no, Liverpool. They they definitely made it. Uh, they got complacent, which you know helped a lot um, for Roma, especially. But also, you got to give credit to you, De Francesco, and I'm sure. Uh, you know, their captain, um, Daniela De Rossi, had something to say. I'm sure all the leaders in the room stepped up and said, you know, hey, we're in the semifinals here of a Champions League. We need to get our, we need to get our butts in gear. Um, they came out fiery. They put a lot of pressure on. I mean, if you look at the stats between the first half and the second half, uh, Roma com- really, really picked it up. They ended up having, I think, something like 15 shots in the second half. I'm not exactly sure, but um, I'm sure it's a combination of veterans stepping up and definitely Liverpool going on cruise control, as, as Curdy, you and I were talking before before we went on. Um, it's uh, it, it's it's hard to explain, but uh, it definitely made a really fun match, and uh, overall score of the two legs was great. Uh, George, uh, one of the things that I noticed in the first half was that Liverpool normally, uh, Jurgen Klopp does uh, instruct his players to go on that high press. He has Firmino, Mane, and Salah basically attacking very high up, uh, or if you will, if you're the opposing team, you, you're very, very deep. I didn't see that in the first half. They were less aggressive. They gave uh, Roma lots of space, um, and, and, and I think Roma's game plan was actually to play wide, uh, try crosses, and go with through balls, and they were able to do that uh, with uh, extreme effectiveness. Do you think that... Liverpool took their foot off the gas too soon in this match? Um, I think they played more cautiously, definitely. Um, Roma were, like you say, trying to play on the flanks. So they used Al Sharari a lot in the first half. Um, and I think Mohamed Salah was a lot quieter, but I think they looked to play on the counter attack rather than 
sort of play a high pressing system which could potentially leave them vulnerable at the back um definitely um i noticed roma as well uh, they were making a good impact in the first half before liverpool obviously dealt the sucker punch um because they were overrun in the first leg in the midfield i saw that de rossi dropped into almost like a um regista role really sort of slot back and use his technical skills and experience Uh um that was obviously undone when liverpool went on the counter attack and scored um but yeah i think liverpool definitely played more cautiously um especially in the first half uh richard uh as it pertains to liverpool's approach in this match um do you think after the match virgil van dyck was asked about uh, you know, missed chances and more about, I, I didn't hear the, I'm paraphrasing a little bit. I didn't hear the full interview, but I saw some, some excerpts from it. Um, he didn't, he didn't care. Obviously you're, you're on an emotional high and, you know, Liverpool's just made their first uh, Champions League final since 2007 right. against, uh, actually against your AC Milan actually was the last time that happened. So I, I don't uh, that. <laughs> yeah, it's a little historical fact. Um, do you do you think though that it is a concern that Liverpool did? I mean, hey, look at the stats; they've conceded six goals in this fixture. Do you think that's a concern? Oh, absolutely. And when you know, yes, they're a high-scoring offense on uh, Liverpool, are but look who they're going to face in the finals: Real Madrid, who are, are extremely high-scoring offense, and they they're a counter counter uh, counter-attacking team as well. So, you know, when you have a team, it's 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 all right that you give up a lot of goals. To a high attacking team, when you, Roma, I wouldn't say I wouldn't consider a high attacking team. And the fact that they got six goals against them is concerning. Um, obviously, on the other side of the, uh, their their opponents have some issues as well. But uh, you know, giving up six goals, I, this this final could be a very well be a very high scoring game. Well, what are you? What is your what is your thought as far? I mean, see now, the funny thing is, obviously, this is a neutral site. It's going to be in Kiev. Uh, you have to think that there is no plan B, so to speak. If you have a, a deficit after the first leg, there is no second leg. It, it, it's it's ninety minutes to the end. Um, George, what do you think that uh, Klopp's approach is going to be in the matchup against Real Madrid? Do you think that he goes all out aggression, or do you think he plays it a little bit more careful? Because, and with with all due respect to everyone that Liverpool has played thus far, I do say, despite where Real Madrid find themselves in the La Liga table, currently in third place, this is they are the two-time defending champions. They are in their third consecutive final. Uh, this is the best team they've played this entire campaign. All due respect to Manchester City. Real Madrid uh, are the king of, king of kings. So what do you think Klopp's approach is going to be uh, as far as the uh, att- uh, Real Madrid match? Um, I, th- I think it's difficult, really. Um... I think only Jurgen Klopp really knows that, but I think if you attack uh, Real Madrid, they're vulnerable because we've seen that when Juventus beat them, and I've, I think going out all attack would be a good option. Liverpool proven. I think the style they play is at the moment until maybe Jurgen Klopp works out a better defensive system for the Premier League is unsustainable for a title challenge. But in tournament football, his Gigan pressing system works incredibly well. And I, I, I believe he'd stick with his guns, to be honest, and play a similar system against um, Real Madrid, considering how much success Juventus had by going out and attacking them, although it was in dis- desperation for their uh, first leg defeat. I, I, I agree with you. Um, I think that you have to, basically, there's an old saying, <laughs> you know, you dance with the girl who you brought to the dance, you don't try anything new. 
And I don't understand uh, why Liverpool sort of went away from that. They've always been, no matter what the circumstances have been, they've always been the aggressors. And I think that, I, I don't know whether... Jurgen Klopp was trying to just peel out Roma tonight or whether it was a matter of the only thing I can really conclude is the fact that Roma had to bring the match to Liverpool. They were the ones with the three, de- three goal deficit. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I, I but it, it is despite the fact, you I mean right now you're kind of on a high right now. If you're an LFC supporter, if you're a player, if you're a manager, whatever you are, if you're, you know, wearing, the, the liver bird on your crest, you're, you're, you're not really concerned. But as, as, you know, if you're looking at this as a neutral, you see that, that aggregate score and you're saying, well, hell, you know, Roma scored six. Now, like I said, it's a neutral site. We're going to Kiev. But that seems to be, Richard, where Real Madrid thrived the most because we saw this last year in the final against Juventus. I won't go to two years ago. We'll just stick with last year. Mandzukic had that fantastic goal. It didn't matter. I mean, Real Madrid just seemingly are, they're just not, they're immune to anything you throw at them in these big match situations. I mean, not, they're kind of like the, the uh, uh, I guess, the heavyweight boxer who just, he can just take the blow after blow and it just won't phase him. Muhammad Ali. Wait, okay. wait, and then counterattack. Uh, yeah, whenever you get you score on Real Madrid, they always have an answer. Um, and I think Klopp needs to learn from what I think is his mistake in the in the final against Bayern you know, a couple years, a few years ago when he was a Dortman. I didn't think you know back then he. I don't think he did the gagan pressing uh, in that final like they Dortman had been doing all season long, and that they kind of mm-hmm. got away from that. So I think in this game, Liverpool needs to attack Real Madrid uh, to have an, any chance of um, of, a, of a game. But in the same breath. That kind of feeds into Real Madrid's strength, which is counterattacking. Real Madrid wants you to attack them, and then they go and attack and catch you when you're vulnerable. This is going to be a very, very fun game. Uh, Klopp needs to attack Real Madrid to have any chance in this, because um, if you let Real Madrid take over, it's just going to be that midfield, midfield three of uh, Cruz, um, Modric, and Cas- Casemiro, whoever is playing in the midfield. They're just going to take over that game. So I think they need to attack. But Real Madrid, uh, they're just so lethal. And, Whenever you score on them, they just turn it up. It's like you know they're they're like toying with you almost. You know they like, get you get your emotions, let you get into the game, and then you're like you know what? No, you, you're you're still a peg below us. Relax. Uh, I think that's Liverpool, what... Liverpool definitely need to play to their strengths though because their defense is obviously a weakness right. compared to their attack. So I think if if they almost subsidize their attack for a more defensive performance, then they they could really be in trouble. Because I think at least if they're attacking. There's there's a chance that they can maybe get something out of the game, whereas if they sit back and defend, that could almost invite pressure from Real Madrid. Uh, excellent point. That's true. Um, what what is also concerning is the fact that do you think that going just going back to the first leg for a second? Um, you know, Liverpool's up five nil. Are we at a point where we can say that those final ten minutes? I said on the last podcast that I believe that Jurgen Klopp's finest moment as a manager, and I mean this from the Mainz days, I mean this from the Dortmund days, and I mean this from the Liverpool days. If you take his entire career from bookend to bookend to where we are right now, I thought the finest 70 minutes of him as a football manager were between the 10th minute against Roma in the first leg and the 80th minute against Roma. Definitely. My concern is that the last 10 minutes of that match even gave Roma the snowball's chance in hell of even thinking of competing in this fixture. If it's 5-0 going back to Roma, Liverpool can literally and figuratively get off the plane, get on the bus, and not do a damn thing at the Stadio Olimpico, and they will win. 
But three goals, and this is why I say we saw this done against Barcelona, and of course everyone knew that to do this against Liverpool with that front three would be a monumental uh, act of, of, I mean, just it would be a miracle. But guys, it almost happened, and that's what's, what I, what's kind of concerning. So why did, why was Roma able to, to, to capitalize on Liverpool's defense in the second half of this when they seemed unable to crack the code in the first half of the first fixture, uh, uh, or the first leg, sorry, and, uh, I mean, really, they didn't, they, they had a couple of chances in the first half today, but it was all second half for them. It was all, it was 10 minutes of the first leg and the second half today. And why weren't Roma able to put the total picture together? You can't win if you don't have the ball. Uh, and as George said, you know, they weren't playing to the strength. Their, their defense is not that great. Now, if you're a team that's like really strong defensively, you can, you can, you can let the other team have the ball and you just sit there and, you know, counterattack. Uh, Liverpool aren't built for that. And by that, you know, by letting Roma keep possession, they gave them more confidence, and then as they got as they got more uh, more opportunities and shots, and then finally the goals started going in. It got stronger and stronger, and 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 by, and by virtue, Liverpool got weaker. Uh, Liverpool are not beat uh, built for defense, and they need to attack. That's that's how that that's how this team works best. Um, you if you give up possession completely, you're not playing to your strengths at all, and um, it it's really their fault that that. This became a two-leg affair. It should have been over after the seventy minutes. It should have been you know, the whole game should have been five nothing. Mm-hmm. They gave them a chance, and that this continued on to the second leg. Let's put it this way: if if Liverpool had played the way they did tonight, and they were playing Real Madrid, the amount of chances that Roma had, instead of that being maybe Edin Dzeko and Al Sharawi <laughs> in the the Roma attack, you imagine if that was Ronaldo, Asensio, mm-hmm. you know, Real Madrid's attack. That that could have been you know a lethal conclusion, really. Uh, that's an excellent. That that's that's an excellent point, George. Uh, I, and I and I one hundred percent agree with you. Uh, which 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 brings me which brings us back to kind of a point we just covered. I I think it was uh, the, the the mentality of the players that they just thought this thing was done and dusted. I, and I think if you get Liverpool in a situation, for instance, I take it back to the first leg against Manchester City when everyone said, "Oh, it can't be done. They're not going to be able to beat Pep Guardiola." You know, they 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 got lucky at Enfield. Uh, a couple of months ago, it was 4-3. They barely hung on. Uh, you know, so it's it's three points in the league. Who, who cares? City's already basically been champions since November. But in the Champions League, Liverpool took it to Manchester City throughout that entire first half of that first leg at Anfield. And yet again, they laid off the gas a little bit in the second half. No goals scored. Manchester City didn't score any, but of course Liverpool remained at three 0 at the half. Then you go into the first half of the second leg. Boom! City scores within two minutes, and we've got a game. If it, it it's 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 kind of bothersome to say that um, you know that Liverpool are capable. I think of pressing for 75, 80 minutes, but when they have that lead, they seemingly it seems like they just they they. They they get too comfortable. Is is that is that a good way to put it? Yeah, I think um, well, Klopp's philosophy has always been the, the attack is the best form of defense, mm-hmm. and I think by trying to play in a counter-attacking system, maybe he's abandoning his own philosophy or the way the team are playing. It seems as if they're abandoning his philosophy by playing in that way because if he believes that attack is, you know, the best. Um, way to defend then Liverpool Liverpool should should be playing that way I understand it is physically enduring but um, 
by abandoning the way that they usually play. It, it definitely puts them in danger because Van Dyke's improved their defence, but I think the way they set up just leaves them defensively vulnerable because they play with high attacking fullbacks in Alexander Arnold, which which was nearly caught out tonight on various occasions when he was almost caught forward with Al Sharawi. And also Robertson, um, they play very high at the pitch. And I think if you get Ronaldo or uh, just in general, Real Madrid attacking him down the flanks or Marcelo, he, he plays very attacking too. Um, it, it could be incredibly dangerous because um, I think the, the fact of them playing um, attacking fullbacks leaves them exploitable down, down the channels. Totally agree. And let's say this too. Due to injury, obviously, Oxlade-Chamberlain and Emre Chan, this is likely going to be, unless something drastic happens, the lineup that we see in that Champions League final. Would you, uh, would you agree, Richard? Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I, would, I would definitely agree. If I, had to, if I was a betting man, I would bet that that would be the starting lineup. Hmm. Yeah. Well, that takes us, I mean, that takes us to our, to our segue. Uh, obviously, congratulations to Liverpool Football Club. Uh, which I just have one more, one more thing. Sure. I just wanted to see what everyone's opinion was on the Alexander-Arnold situation. Um, the handball just in front of goal. I just wanted to see what other people's opinion was on that. Richard, go ahead. You're talking about the handball on the first half? Um, I, no, I think it was in the second half. I'm All pretty right, so, sure. Um, well, I, it's curious because I think VAR is a thing that should be in these games, and if if it was, it would I think it would have been a penalty because his hand was away from the body. Now the penalty that Roma did get at the end of the game, uh, I thought that was not a penalty because I thought the, his arm was right next to his side. Uh, it's a natural position, so I thought that shouldn't have been a penalty. So that kind of washed out with the uh, with the early one, which should have been a penalty that wasn't called. So that those two washed out. Um, and you can also say early in the game. Also, there was a situation where. They called uh, Jekyll offsides, and then Carrius ended up taking him down on the box. When, and in fact, when you look at the replay, he was on. Uh, mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, plays like that, it all can be cured, possibly. Not always. We've seen even VAR not work in situations like this, too. But um, I thought the Alexander-Arnold play was a handball, and I thought the, the play that ended up getting a penalty, I forget who the, the, the player was, uh, was not a handball, but it's it's soccer. And those I two think, it, I think it would have been a red... I think... Um, I would believe that would have been a red card. So I think, think so? that could have definitely. Yeah, I think it. Well, it was right in front of goal. So if if it's given as a handball, then it's it's going to be blocking a blatant goal scoring opportunity. Um, I I really think it could have changed the game. No disrespect to Liverpool. I mean, they're the first English club to reach a Champions League final since 2012, which is an amazing yeah. achievement. Absolutely. But yeah, I, I definitely I definitely think they got away with that one. Uh. I, I I I agree with what Richard said in the sense that I think the penalties uh, or the, the one that wasn't called and the one that was called I think they washed themselves out. I, I agree with you 100. Uh, percent In fact, uh, George, I do think that uh, TAA's uh, handball was in fact a penalty. Um, I do agree with Roma's president that there needs to be VAR in Champions League. I think if you have it in Serie A, if you have it. In the Bundesliga and obviously other leagues adopting it, I think that you you need to have it sort of as a a universal thing. I I, I believe that um, it's it's such a it, with such a high competition, with such high stakes, um, with so much money in play. I mean, undoubtedly, money. We have to be able to 
have the same rules and guidelines, I think, as the other uh, major leagues have adopted and, and have, have chosen to go with. And, you know, it's um, I don't think it would have changed the outcome. I think we can all agree on that. I don't I don't I don't really think that I, I still see Liverpool going through. But I mean, you have to call it down the middle. And I think um, that in this particular case, like Richard said, um, one would have been allowed, one would have been disallowed. And, and, and in the end, things kind of worked out the way they worked out. But you know, I, I don't. I don't know. Um, I think. Uh, I think we have. Uh, I'm trying to see. Is Alex on here? I'm trying to see. I think he's trying to join us. Actually, I'm trying to see. Let's see if he joins us. I'm trying to see if Alex Miller is going to join us. He is actually. He's actually calling. He just got back from the bar in Boston. <laughs> he's been so he's been watching this match all day long, getting getting drunk on uh, Bein Stefaner beer <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, I was trying to get him to call in he just he did just text actually fuck madrid that's what he just just texted. <laughs> so um god we're not we're not biased on here are we at all i mean maybe uh, he meant hollow madrid and and it autocorrected to fuck <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure that's exactly what he meant um but uh while, while we're Okay, so we'll, we'll move on. If we can get him on, that's great. If not, then, oh well, you know, next time, Alex. Uh, moving on to, actually, uh, Madrid. Uh, so, second second uh, Champions League playoff, uh, excuse me, Champions League um, semifinal this week. I'm, I'm in, like, hockey mode and basketball mode and, and football mode. So, I'm like, yeah, I got playoffs going on. I got Champions League semifinals. Um, we had Bayern Munich against Real Madrid, and this is an interesting matchup because it has happened so many times in the past decade, uh, especially if you look at the past 20 years. I will never forget the Roberto Carlos free kick that Oliver Kahn actually stopped, and then it rolled over his hand to give <laughs> uh, Real Madrid a much-needed away goal at the uh, I think they were actually still at the Olympia Stadium at that point. They had not even opened the Allianz Arena. So this is how far back that goes. Real Madrid, for the most part, has owned Bayern Munich. And uh, we're going to get to that here in a, in a second about Bayern's struggles with Spanish sides. But, um, you know, here's the thing. I, and I, I firmly believe that Bayern Munich did everything they needed to do at the Bernabeu. I thought they played a very good good game. I thought that... Uh, Sven Ulreich obviously committed the one fatal error, which uh, James Rodriguez, uh, uh, obviously the former Real Madrid player playing against his uh, former teammates, said was not the reason why Bayern lost. And I agree with that, actually. If you look at the two fixtures combined, Bayern didn't do enough. Frank Ribéry was awesome in the first leg, but there just wasn't enough done in Munich at the uh, Allianz Arena to win the game. So, uh, Richard... What are your thoughts on, on, on this kind of going back into the first leg, but also pulling the second leg into this? Where does where did Byron fall short? Because I thought as far as they, they got the quick goal uh, from Yosua Kimmich in the, uh, I believe it was within three minutes. Three minutes, yeah. Three minutes, yeah. The kid, the kid that's two goals for him in the, against Real Madrid. That's not a bad, that's not a bad to put on your resume, is it? That's yeah, all right. That's <laughs> all right. So, um, so, so I, where did, where did, where did Byron, where did they come up short here? I think it was a little bit unfortunate in the first leg when you had the injury, the two injuries of their two key players, really. Um, but also then, you know, obviously, like you said, they didn't do enough at the, in the first leg. In the second leg, they tried mightily, but I think, you know, Real and Liverpool kind of played similarly in the fact in the second legs that they weren't great, but they did just enough to get by. Um, 
Real Madrid are a counterattacking team, so it's more to their style of how they were playing. But uh, Bayern were giving them everything they could have. I mean, they had plenty of shots. Um, it was just Lewandowski was bottling it like he has been lately against Spanish teams, it seems like. Um, and Muller and much other guys, they were missing their chances as well. So uh, it's hard to say. It's, it's hard to pinpoint one thing, and the Ulrich thing didn't help at all either. Yeah, Alex, are you there? All right, I'm here, brother. Oh man, Alex! A- Alex, can you hear me? Yes, yeah, we can hear you. Nice. Alex is joining us. He he's actually in Boston. I think you're in Boston, right? Yeah, I am in Boston. Yeah, I'm in Southie right now. Oh shit! Boston that's where Southie. that's you're in Mark Wahlberg's territory, man. You better get the hell out of there. I know, right? <laughs> but like in a fucking <laughs> Robert Williams movie. <laughs> All right, so so actually, Alex is joining us. Uh, he's been at the bar in Boston, the Phoenix Landing, giving them a, a quick shout out. He has watched this uh, Champions League semifinal between Liverpool and um, Roma go down today in in person. But uh, just for a quick second, Alex, to let you know to get to get you caught up, uh, we'll get your quick thoughts here on Liverpool and Real and uh, Roma here in a second. Uh, but we're talking about Bayern Munich and Real Madrid right now. Obviously, Real Madrid being the opponents of Liverpool. Uh, and Richard was explaining where Bayern Munich's shortcomings were. Um, so, let me ask you first. Did you watch that match yesterday? I did, yes. I did. I was watching it. <laughs> I was watching it from my uh, third monitor <laughs> at work. Uh, of course, that's... telling one. But, no. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was... Uh, it was a weird game. They both you, came out. Smashing. What did you think that Bayern? Where did you think Bayern fell short? What did they, What do you think they needed to do over the two legs uh, to to basically get past Real Madrid? What did Real Madrid seem like? It's it, the last time you were on the show. We discussed that Real Madrid always seemingly do just enough. They don't really uh, they don't really overwhelm you, but they just do just enough. They always are one step ahead of you. So how was it again that Real Madrid was one step ahead of Bayern? Well, I think I could sum it up by saying that I think Keller Navas was the man in the match on both occasions, mm-hmm. which, as a detriment to Bayern Munich, how they played, is also a positive thought of how they can get involved in the Champions League final. Um, it was, yeah, I, I mean, they had the majority of the chances, Bayern Munich, again, I think, and... Um, yeah, they, they they set up to try and win the game, but they just couldn't do it because I think they didn't have us. Navas is fucking quality. Um, and he's a quality keeper. And I think he kept it a minute, and that was brilliant. <laughs> Sorry, man. I'm just so fucking... Oh, my God. Just, yeah. I, I I know that you 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 and me we're on a, a happy high here. I I'm 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 drinking my bourbon in, in celebratory fashion. I, I got the uh, the bullet out, so we're we're doing it uh, uh, Liverpool style tonight. George, I want your opinion on this uh, uh, this this Bayern Real Madrid match. Uh, what did you see out of Bayern uh, that could have been done a little bit better? Do you think that they do you think they could have done more in the home fixture uh, to maybe set themselves apart because as you, as we all know here, we're not going to, any of us are going to disagree with the fact that if you're down a goal to Real Madrid and you have to go to the Bernabeu, that is a massive undertaking. 
And I think we got a little bit uh, spoiled by what Juventus did. That's not commonplace. That's the exception, not the rule. So uh, what, what, what did you see out of the first leg for, that Byron could have done better? And uh, did they do enough? Were you impressed by what they did yesterday to, to get a draw out of it? Um, well, I think their fullbacks are definitely a weakness, especially with the second leg with uh, Vasquez playing um, on the right. But um, I think really with Ribery and Muller, they, I know the goal came from the right-hand side with Kimmich, but with Marcelo continuously attacking, there's always space down the left channel from, from Real Madrid. Um, and there, should, there was a weakness, obviously, with Vasquez playing in an unfamiliar position yesterday. I think... That should have really been exploited more, um, considering Real Madrid had blatant weaknesses there. Blatant weaknesses, but they seemingly can cover up those weaknesses by their attacking players. Uh, in, in particular, you you know we mentioned uh, if if you're if you're Liverpool and you're looking at Ed and Dzeko, you know that counterpart for Real Madrid is obviously Cristiano Ronaldo. So. They yes, they obviously have. Uh, no, you know this 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 Real Madrid team, in my opinion, has shown that they are vulnerable. They are the third place team in La Liga. Let's not forget that they're not they're not running away with the league this year. They're not even going to come close to it. It's Barcelona as it has been for a long time. Uh, Richard, what are your what are your thoughts as far as Bayern's struggles with Spanish sides? If I go back to the last four years, and this includes three years under Pep Guardiola. So this is the guy they brought in to absolutely win a Champions League. This is the guy that was supposed to take what Jo Pinkus did in 2013 and continue it. And he was unable to do that job not once, not twice, zero times. Then they bring in Ancelotti. He's not able to do it. Obviously, Champions League winner multiple times. Uh, what is Bayern seemingly cannot get past Atletico Madrid, Barcelona, or Real Madrid in the Champions League at any stage, whether it's the quarterfinals, the semifinals. What, what do you think it is without Spanish sides that they have Bayern's number? Well, it's it's usually the the super teams, right? And well, most of the time, not all the time, most of the times it's the super teams: Barca, Real Madrid. Uh, so it has it's, it's sometimes you know they can get into your head, and you can play not to your not to. It gets in your head and it messes with you. You you don't play how you're supposed to. But also a lot of that is what success as far as international like european success has Bar- pep guardiola and Ancelotti had outside of barcelona and milan they they, they haven't won anything since right um as far right. as the european stage so you know maybe it's maybe it's the management um you Heikis did it you is is a fantastic manager um and so i think this time this one time the other legs you know the, the european stuff uh the, just, the spanish teams had the advantage on them they got in their head emotionally i think this time though byron were not Phased by the Spanish teams. One second, uh, do, go ahead. Uh, Ancelotti did actually win a Champions League Real. Oh, you're right. How did I? This is my this is my favorite manager, and I didn't even know that. I, I can't that. believe you <laughs> forgot that, Richard. He's Jesus. my favorite manager, and I forgot about that. I'm traumatized by that. That's why. <laughs> fantastic, fantastic. But I was going to say, thank you for calling me out on that. That was beautiful. Thank you, George. No, thank no, you. I, I do understand what you're saying there. Um, definitely still. But I was going to say, I think this time Byron weren't phased by the whole Spanish thing. I think they were just, they, they, they failed on their chances. And, and the Spanish team, in this case Real Madrid, uh, they were clinical. They had few opportunities, but they, they made them. Ronaldo and, and, and the bunch, Benzema on the second, second leg, uh, they were just brilliant <laughs> on the finishes and, and, you know, Byron missed opportunities. 
So Mate, Navas got them through to the final. That's nice. He was brilliant. Questions that's about that. Yeah. Definitely so, in a second, though. Definitely. So, George, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, and because here's the thing, Richard, you mentioned Barcelona and Real Madrid super teams, but I got to put Diego Simeone's Atletico Madrid there because that's when Bayern really had their chance to get past these guys. And it was a Antoine Griezmann breakaway, one on one versus uh, Nor- uh, Manuel Neuer. That's ultimately sank their dreams and their goals and everything else along with it. The top three, the only Spanish side that I that they've played in the last four years that they've actually beaten is Sevilla. Sevilla right, is typically right. a Europa League side. They're really, you know, they're, at this yeah. point in the Champions League, they're not there. And three they struggled times, against them. And, and, and they, they, yes, they struggled against them. They did knock them out of the Champions League, but I, I don't consider, if you ask me, who are my top four Spanish sides? Like, like uh, just in general, if you say not just any particular year, I say Valencia, I say yep. Real Madrid, I say Atletico, I say Barca. Sevilla yep. is not in that top four. And I might even take Villarreal over Sevilla, depending on what year it is. Though the last three years. I think you have to consider Valencia. Two times in a row. I'll tell you what we Valencia was struggling relegation last season. I think maybe historically, yes, but... In recent history, I mean, Valencia have had a very good season this season, but I mean, they they were they obviously had the Gary Neville situation. Um, they went for a series of managers, and until this season, I mean, they were yeah they were close to going down at stage last season. And Sevilla has been really good in European competition in the last five years or so. They've won the Europa yeah. League, and they've been they've been in it for the last five years. So it's it's hard to call, but yeah, I, I kind of agree with you, Critty. I, I I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, they've won the Europa League three times in a row, and I and I give them credit where credit's due. But um, that's they've they. But here's the thing, Richard. They've they've gone from the Europa League to the direct Champions League qualification. They've not gotten past the group stage of the Champions League, and they drop back down to the Europa League, and they win the Europa League again, and then they qualify again. So, uh, you know, <laughs> is that what is that what Atletico is doing this year? Hey, Atletico. Well, Atletico. <laughs> Uh, did you hear that Arsenal's going to win the damn Europa League? You didn't hear that? I heard that says day one, right? Yeah, man. That's what Arsene Wenger's parting gift. That's what he. That's the goodbye. That's the swan song. That's what he's going to go in. Um, Alex, uh, real quick, you know, because we're gonna we're gonna move past the Champions League here uh, in just a second. What are your thoughts? Wow. I want your thoughts real quick on Liverpool and Roma. I want your thoughts on what uh, Liverpool did right. Uh, what what they didn't do right and was a little bit closer than you wanted to see. Well, first of all, we got, I think we got most things right in the first 20 minutes, except for Milner's fucking head. <laughs> like, and then like another five minutes, he got in the way of potentially getting involved in another goal. Yeah. yeah. It was another, yeah. another I guess not. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I was like, fucking hell, Milner, get out of the fucking way. Just give us a break. Mm. <laughs> but I think we defended well in the first half. Um, apart from that, they gave him the, you know, that, that ridiculous goal gave him, well, the stadium and the fans, a, uh, a little glimpse of hope. But every time they did that, I just didn't feel that we were in any way, in any trouble. Um, <laughs> well, 
Well, let me ask you this. What did you think about Virgil van Dyke's comments after the match? You know, I, I understand that he is absolutely in the moment. He's right about saying, you know, I really don't give a fuck about Roma's our yeah. chances or what Roma could. I mean, you won seven to six on aggregate. Congratulations, well, Liverpool Football Club. You're going to fucking Kiev. But are exactly you, that. Uh-huh. Are you are you on the day after? Let me say this. Tomorrow morning we wake up and we're, you know, hungover and we're we're getting our coffee and we're thinking about okay, now we actually have a final to prepare for. Are you worried about the six conceded goals over the uh, fixture? And does that bother you that sometimes in this as as we, we kind of addressed this before you got on between myself and George and Richard? Liverpool seemingly jumps out to these large leads. They did it against Manchester City. They did it, obviously, against Roma in the first leg. And then it seems like they sort of, I don't know whether Klopp directs them to, but it seems like the players sort of naturally take their foot off the, off the pedal. Um, did, does that concern you a little bit uh, going forward since it's only a one 90-minute sprint to the finish against Real Madrid? Um, anything that's happened since now, and I thought, oh, really can go shit that way, and then Champions League final. But, you know, I did find out that, like, so I felt that um, I've never felt as much appreciation as like we we we've never been so lucky and unlucky in in previous games, um, and it's it's nice to be on that side because they could we could have had two penalties given against us tonight. But I felt that it was like it was meant to be because that didn't happen. Uh, we were talking about um, Bayern and Real Madrid. And uh, after Alex, were we actually done uh, talking about your points to the Liverpool-Roma match? Well, I was talking about Donald bankruptcy Trump <laughs> not paying his bills. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> ass out. Well, it happens. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's what happens cool. down here. Um, anyways, basically, uh, I, I, I believe we were actually uh, talking about the, uh, the, the, the uh, uh, struggle with Spanish sides, and I remember that George was saying something about Sevilla, Valencia. Uh, but basically, um, talking about Bayern's struggle with, with, with Spanish sides, um, ultimately, we can actually kind of, kind of close this thing off. We, um, Richard, real quick, what do you think that Bayern need to do what do you think Bayern needs to do to, 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 to climb that hurdle? I mean, is it, is it going to be more spending? Do you think that they need to rob Schalke and Dortmund of some more players because that's what they like to fucking do? Or <laughs> what, what, what is it that they need to do? to be going to the power now as well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, they got yeah, back already. already. Well, they, uh, they, had, they had Sandro Wagner, which they um, got from him. They had Niklas Sule. They had uh, Sebastian Rudi. So they basically Rudy, took yeah. everything – uh, Julian Nagelsmann had, and yet he's still he's, he's still beast. qualifying for a Champions League spot. If we ended the season today, they're losing, uh, they're losing, they're losing Gnabry and Uth next season, aren't they? So yep, yep. <laughs> they'll have the same yeah. dilemma next season. So Uth's going to uh, Schalke, Schalke, yes, yep. and uh, uh, Gnabry, of course, is going to Bayern. Uh, he's actually at Bayern right now, but he's on loan out to Hoffenheim. Uh, so. Richard, what does Bayern need to do as a club, as an organization? Because this is not something that's going to go away. Real Madrid, Barcelona, Atletico Madrid, 
Those guys are always going to be there. One of those three is going to be there, and it's likely that Byron draws them. What do they have to do to, to get past these guys? Okay, well, first, they need to move on from Lewandowski and find an, another clinical striker. Lewandowski, he's, he's already proven that he's he – already, I think he's already come out and said that he wants to leave and go to another club. Uh, but they need to find a clinical striker, someone who's, who, who's proven to score in big games. Um, Who do you reckon that would be? Oh, man. That's that's a tough call. Uh, maybe well, Antoine Griezmann, but he's is, has he committed to Barca next season? I'm not sure on that one. That's fair. No, that's hard. You got to find. You, they have to Sorry, find who, who, did you ask? who did you ask? Griezmann. Uh, anyway, Griezmann, find, I haven't seen anything on Griezmann right now. So. They need to find a clinical well, striker so wherever it is. It's West Brom next season. <laughs> 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 or Stoke. Um, Who knows? Who the cares? second thing, Bayern needs to get younger. I mean, Ribéry and, and, and Robin, they're not getting any younger. And, and if they can continue with some fast wingers, uh, you said Nabry's going there, uh, they have Kingsley Coman, guys like that. But they need to have some more speed and more young younger guys. And then, I may sound blasphemous here, but I never thought Matt, Matt Hummels was world-class by any stretches of defense. He's a very good defenseman. I think Sula can be much better than him. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I, I think I think Hummels is very smooth. He's a very elegant player, but I don't know if he's world class. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, th- I think you need experience in that back line. I think I think Hummels provides it. I definitely agree with your points of Robin and Ribery and even the Lewandowski point. Um, but I, I don't know. I think I think you always need experience in a back line. Definitely. Oh, they should keep Hummels. I just want to take a shot at him. That's all. <laughs> as you should, as you should. He's he's uh, kind of a. In, in somewhat of a way, he's a traitor to the black and yellows. But nonetheless, uh, uh, George, uh, wh- what, is, what are your thoughts on this uh, as far as Bayern? You know, they had the one year in 2013 where they got past Barcelona. They obviously just beautiful play from them. They had that 4-0 lead at that, you know, um, I think it was actually the away fixture where they beat Barcelona 4-0. Um, I'd have to go look at my history, but it was 20, it's five years ago at this point. But uh, five years ago in football is obviously ancient history. But what do they have to do to get back to that point where they not only take away, let's not say dominate or, or just com- compete with these guys because it's seemingly every single time Bayern gets close, these teams pull away. And then every time they get close, they pull away. Bayern at no point in this fixture or in any of the fixtures in the previous two or three years against these Spanish giants, have they really ever threatened? They've never really been ahead. Um, so what do they have to do to get ahead by two or three goals and, and, and kind of kind of put themselves on the best track to, to win over a two-leg picture? Well, I think they, I think they threatened uh, this time around. But, yeah, in terms of dominance, um, they definitely weren't there. I, I completely agree with the Robin and Ribery points. I think it's time to start to build for the future um, more so. I think Serge Gnabry looks a very talented player and has the ability to do that. Um, if, Lef- if Lewandowski's not happy with the club, and although we've seen him score consistently, um, he's not proven that he's able to um, score in, in, in the massive games like, like um, against Real Madrid. Potentially moving on from him um, could be another route to getting up. I think the quality of the Bundesliga, I, I've always been a massive fan of the Bundesliga. I love the Bundesliga. I think the quality's definitely dropped the last couple of seasons. I've been watching um, sort of the top four battle, and there's a lot of complacency, and there's, there's not a lot of competition at all for Bayern Munich. 
and they could find themselves in a similar situation but where which PSG are in really where they're sort of they've got an easy ride on the weekend and then when it comes to a competitive fixture against one of the top teams um, it's a bit of a culture shock almost for them yeah I agree with that Alex um, what are your thoughts on this you, you've, you've obviously uh, watched Bayern this season you've watched them in previous seasons just kind of come up short and while George is correct um, there's they, they, they did threaten at this point um, yeah a, a little bit they, they, they were never out of it but they never really – what I meant to say was they never really asserted their dominance. And Real Madrid kind of always yeah, – definitely. Real Madrid kind of always led you to believe that we're the big dogs here. That this is our yard. We're going to we're going to set the tone. You've got to come after us. And Bayern, where they come across as these bullies of the Bundesliga where no one can touch them. They're 20 points, 22 points ahead of the second-place team. When it comes to the semifinals of the Champions League, with the exception of 2013 – they really have always been the bullied. So, what is it? They, what do they have to do, in your opinion, to 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 get to that next level? I guess you could say. Um, well, so far they've proved that um, they come against quality talent like Varane and Ramos. So I think basically, I think Varane has had. The, I think he was one of the standout players from the last two legs. And it, I, I, it comes across underrated by what I've seen. Um, but in terms of Bayern Munich, obviously, if you're you're playing in a league that's pretty much it's sought after, uh, because if you're playing for the top teams, you know you're going to win a medal, and it's not going to be much competition. Um, with that in mind. You can't you can't underestimate any team in Europe, especially French, or Spanish, English teams, and they've certainly underestimated them in the last three seasons. Um, but I, th- I thought I'd give a shout out to the defence of Real Madrid in the last two games because it was pretty impressive. Um, they the Bayern Munich didn't get their luck; they had their chances, but they got shut out. Um, and that's that's what counts in the end of the day. Absolutely, Liverpool got to be hoping for an injury to Ramos because we've seen when Ramos wasn't in the team against Juventus that Rome trick up tore apart at the back. And I think with Ramos at the back, yeah. that they're a different opposition completely. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, totally. Um, he kind of shores not just the defence, the keeper, and the two wing backs. Just as these become experiences, become even better too. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, it's, He's still it's a gonna fucking be... arsehole. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's going to be yeah. it's going to be an interesting final Don't to say the least. <laughs> it's going to be an interesting final to say the least. Uh, moving on, real quick, um, Richard. Uh, this is going to be uh, kind of something that hits near and dear to your heart. Just we're going to talk real quick about the Serie A. And uh, just take a quick look at, at, at this massive W d'Italia that happened last weekend. Uh, Inter Milan hosting uh, the six-time defending champions, Juventus. And really, this was the one chance for Napoli to kind of uh, take, the, take the, 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 the fight to Juventus. They beat them, obviously, at the Allianz Stadium 1-0 the week before. Great 90th-minute goal to, to, to get the, the three points. 
Inter, despite being a man down and despite Spalletti having to alter his tactics, what he did was, from what I could see, is he shrunk the, the pitch. He moved his players in and really Juventus Allegri did not go wide. He should have gone wide and he didn't. Uh, this kept Inter in the game with 10 men, and they actually took the lead thanks to Marito Icardi. They took the, they took the lead. Uh, they tied it 1-1. Then they took the lead 2-1 off of an own goal. Inter had the match won, Richard, with five minutes to play. They had Champions League in sight, well, likely Champions League in sight, and they were going to damage Juventus' chances immensely of winning a seventh straight Scudetto. What in the hell did Spalletti do wrong? And how do you concede two goals like that in the final three minutes of the match? Spalletti being Spalletti. Uh, yeah, why would you take off Icardi in that situation? Uh, I know you want to be more defensive, uh, try to lock the win, but you don't take off your best player. You don't take, you know, it, first of all, you don't take off Icardi. Uh, and you also you don't take off Perisic, but he didn't. But you know that's another person you don't want to take off. Why don't you take off a Kondreva or somebody like that? Mm-hmm. Um, it's a head scratcher for me because there's you know there's a good chance Juve is going to put a, put a strong effort in. If there's a turnover, you need Icardi and his in his in his brilliance to be out there to try to get another goal. He's a he's a poacher. He's a playmaker. Uh, he's your freaking captain. Why they took him out? It's a head scratcher for me. We 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 went on and on about this at Syria. Sit down. Uh, uh-huh. How stupid of a move this was by Spalletti, and he's done this before with Roma, and now he's doing this with Inter Milan. It's 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 unfortunate because Inter deserved the win in that game, and and they the last five minutes they blew it away. Um, so quickly the uh, sending off in the fifteenth minute, I think that was legit. But uh, we should should Pjanic have been sent off as well later on in the match? Yes. It was a similar play in the in the in the Turin derby where the Torino player fouled uh, Pjanic the same way I believe I think it was Pjanic and he that player got a red card. Same play happened this time. Pjanic does it to uh, who was the other player? I forget who the other player was. Uh, Rafinha. Rafinha. No, nothing was called. Why wasn't it called? Uh, that that you know at that point it would have been ten versus ten. The game would have been back on and Inter probably would have had an advantage because they were already doing so well with ten men. Um, I don't see why a card wasn't brought out there. Uh, not even a yellow. I, I mean, I would have given it a red, but uh, nothing was called, and I don't understand that at all. Uh, you know, I heard some uh, some people, actually, some Juventus supporters saying that um, they could actually they could actually see a Juventus. They said Juventus, uh, and this is actually uh, uh, echoed by uh, my good friend Nima from the Semper Inter podcast. He, he said a Juventus player could literally go on the pitch and shoot someone in the fucking head with a gun, and they would not get a red card. And, and this, this, and unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, it comes back to, and this is something that affects everyone. You don't like to use this term, but it's 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 calciopoli. That this is still, it's still kind of fresh. It's still kind of within the last fifteen years, and it just makes you wonder. You know, I mean, these these kind of things. Um, obviously, the sending off for Inter was justified in the fifteen minute, but then Pjanic gets away with murder. Uh, they, they, he never gets sent off. Is is this still something? <clears throat> Because it has to piss off Juventus fans too that they they seemingly don't get the same calls as other teams, and it makes them it, it, it doesn't reflect really really great on them, does it? First off, I, I love Nima. We had this conversation. I had this conversation with Nima before too. Um, I don't know Juventus fans. They don't they turn a blind eye when it ha- when it, when it happens uh, in in Serie A, but when it happened in, in Europe and Real Madrid game, 
they they were up in arms about that, weren't they? They acted like it never happened to them before. Whoa, we got gypped, we got robbed. Have mm-hmm. you been watching Syria the past two decades, even more? Um, Calciopoli, I mean, we can, I can, as a Milan fan, I can go back and look back into the Montari goal uh, several years ago. Uh, there's so many plays and so many times where a goal that shouldn't have happened or a goal or, or an offside didn't happen or a red card when it shouldn't have been a red card. Um, earlier in the year when Lazio beat uh, Juventus, there was, a, there was a phantom red card penalty kick for Juventus in the last minute of the game that Dybala took. Luckily, Strakosha made a great save on that. Uh, so, uh, Juve fans, they always turn a blind eye in Serie A, but it, they, they're, they seem to, when it's against them, they're like, wait a minute, why, why me, why me? And they seem to forget when they, when they get it in their favor. So, uh, George or Alex, do you have anything to add to this match, uh, Juventus-Inter, as far as it pertains to Scudetto and Champions League qualification? Um, no, not really, to be honest. Alex? Over to you, George. Okay. I think Juve is here at the title, but um, in terms of my knowledge of Syria, I don't identify I'll go any further with that. <laughs> okay, so Richard, is that, do, do you, is that Juventus's title now for the taking? Four points ahead, three matches to go. They still have to play Roma in the league. Uh, Napoli, though, we would uh, basically have to say you have to take a perfect nine out of nine points. Would you agree with that um, as far as them even <clears throat> having a chance to contend? I said it was Juve's title about a month ago, and then some miraculous stuff happened, and then Napoli got back into it, and, they beat, and then they beat Juventus. But this time it's over. Uh, Napoli had a great chance to keep pace and, and keep put pressure on on Juventus, and they bottled it um, against. It was a stupid. It was a, a red card that probably shouldn't have happened in that game, but they still still have lost to Fiorentina. Fiorentina are a very good team, but still, uh, this 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 race is over. Juventus are winning it. Yes, they got to play Roma, but they also got to play Hellas Verona and Bologna, and those two teams are are on beach mode yeah. right now. So. I told you, I told you, red cards play a big factor in the last three games, the last three podcasts. Yeah. It's happening. Yeah, it's uh, unfortunate, but um, it does look like Inter, uh, Juve is going to win their uh, seventh straight Scudetto. And I do want to say that Inter uh, still, I believe, have a shot at Champions League qualification. For all you Interisti out there, it's not over yet. Uh, they still have to play Lazio in the final match day. Uh, that big, is, game. big game. Yeah. Absolutely. Huge game. Um, I want to shift to something else now since I got uh, a good friend from Schalke, and I don't know how I'm saying that. You're a good friend from Schalke, but you know, <laughs> I, I, I don't. I, I, I'm more of the of the kind of person that says Schalke and Dortmund need to unite against Bayern. We need to we need to we need to uh, uh, form this uh, kind of uh, un, unholy alliance to, to take down the evil empire. Ruhr FC. <laughs> FC, right? And, of course, I have George with Manchester United. I want to – guys, um, and, and Alex, I'm going to group you into this um, here sure. shortly. I, what do you think, uh, Richard? Give me your synopsis on Schalke's season, really, as a, as, as a quick recap. Like, what, did, what were your expectations <clears throat> going into this season? What did you see that you like? What did you not like? And how are you – what are your thoughts on the, uh, the, the total product? Coming into the season, I wasn't sure how – what you know – I thought there was a, a good team as far as talent goes, but you know when Vinezier was here and even Brighton Rider before that, uh, they were they seemed lost. And then when they hired Tedesco, I thought it was an outreach. They're just stretching for for anybody, anything, trying to you know repeat what Nagelsmann did to Hoffenheim. 
Uh, then I started reading up on, on Tedesco, and I started getting a little uh, optimistic about this because I saw what he did at Eisenberg Owl, and I read about him, and, and you know he's one of these laptop managers. And he's really turned his team around. The, the big problem for Schalke the previous seasons were defense, lead, letting in weak goals, and they they corrected that for the most part. Uh, we can exclude the Riviera Derby, the first leg. Um, but, you know, he's, he's, he's solidified the defense. He's changed to a three-man defense. Naldo's having a, a career year this year, and he's 35 years old, young. Um so that that's the stuff I like, but you know, with with the defense getting more uh, a stout astute, the offense has has failed in that in that sense. Uh, you know, yes, Burkseller has about nine ten goals this season, which is not that great compared to you know Byron and Lewandowski who has what thirty or something like that. Um, yeah. They they don't get many goals. Uh, their second leading scorer for fuck's sake is uh, Naldo, thirty five years old. So. <laughs> and he's a centre back. And he's a center back. I'm sorry, but that's... He's the slowest man in the Bundesliga. At least you got Mark Hughes coming next season. (laughs) Let that that guy... That guy gives hope to everybody who's 40 years old and wants to play football. I mean, damn. Let's let's leave this man alone. Give this guy a spot on the Brazilian national team, damn it. Amen, amen. (laughs) Um, Well, let me ask you this. So, Mark Hughes coming in. Good transfer from Hoffenheim. Yes, no? Oh, yes, and also Salif Sané from Hanover is, a, is an excellent pickup as well. Uh, yes, I tweeted you guys out on that. That's Again, that's yes. uh, the Schalke podcast, guys. Um, follow this man. This, the Schalke, if any of you Schalke fans out there, follow this man. These guys are good. Him and Jack, they do a great job. Um, yeah, I think that's a fantastic buy, uh, both those guys. Uh, Hanu, uh, I think uh, Salif Sané, excellent aerial player, uh, goes up, gets the headers, fantastic uh, d- uh, defense and also, Markut, um, do you see him? How, where do you see him fitting in? Is, is he going to be? Is he going to be a starter for you guys, or, or, or do you see him as more of a um, not a rotational player, but you know, uh, a guy who who plays say twenty four out of the thirty four matches as far I as starting? I want to say he's a starter, but with Tedesco, you never know because Tedesco likes to rotate heavily. He's mm-hmm. the opposite of Sarri, and, and with Napoli, Napoli they never they never rotate their players. Schalke they rotate way too much, I think. <laughs> uh, sometimes you see guys on uh, that are starting consecutively, all of a sudden they're on the bench, and then they don't they don't they don't play at all. Um, so I want to say he's going to be a starter, but you never know with Tedesco because uh, he's like I said, he's constantly rotating. But maybe now that he finally gets a striker that he can be comfortable with, especially if Uth gets goals in the beginning, um, hopefully he'll, he'll start a lot of games uh, next season. You guys going to do any more shopping at the supermarket in the summer? You guys are losing Leon Goretzka to the Evil Empire. You're losing uh, the prima donna, the little, the the uh, scary spice. I'll call it right now. Uh, Max Meyer, who is doing his best Spice Girls impersonation. I mean, he is an angry teenage girl right now. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, but sure. He's been sent home. He's been sent home on summer vacation. See ya. Um, Heidel kicked him. I mean, it was comments about Christian Heidel, I believe, was it not? Yeah, he called him. He said he was being bullied, uh, trying to force him to sign a contract, and this and that. Uh, it's 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 whole teenage girls drama. I mean, he he must be go to the same school as Julio Jones of Atlanta Falcons. Um, same situation, except that Ooh. he hasn't recruited yet. Yeah. So, uh, oh. for people who don't know, uh, these two players both have you know you know taken off their team from Twitter and Instagram and taken off pictures from them. So try to disassociate themselves with the team. Um, so it's it's total BS. I'm glad he's gone. He's a headache. He wasn't doing anything for us really. I mean, he had a re- revitalization as a number six, but uh, he he hasn't done anything. He had no goals, no assists this season. What has he done? 
really. And we got McKenny there. McKenny is a hopeful. He could probably eventually be to the Goretzka level or maybe even better. Um, and he's an American hopeful for sure. Uh, and then Bentaleb, he's okay for now, but Shaka needs depth in the midfield for sure. Uh, maybe, mm-hmm. and, I, and I suggested in our podcast that maybe Salif Sané not only could play center back, but he could also play maybe that number six and be that second aerial threat uh, to Naldo. Absolutely. Um, so as far as Champions League goes, where do you, do you, you would, I absolutely agree that you still need a couple more reinforcements. Do you not? Oh, we absolutely need reinforcements. Uh, we looked tired at the last, <coughs> last three weeks or so, and that's because we don't have enough depth on the team. And if you want to play in Champions League, that's even more games you're going to play next year on, on top mm-hmm. of the TFP Pokal and the Bundesliga. You need more depth, especially in the midfield and in the, in a, in the attack. And you know, I want to see more of Cedric Toykert next year as well as Mark Uth uh, in the attack, so hopefully that'll help. But midfield needs a lot of help, and you need some replacements for Ochipka and Kalajiri to give them rest every now and then. Absolutely, George. Uh, real quick, uh, Man- Manchester United. So, uh, quick. What did you after last season's? Uh, I-, I would say a little bit underwhelming. You guys did win the Europa League, and my hats off to you for that. Credit where credit is due. But Jose Mourinho, very um, arrogant person to say the least. We'll call him. We'll just leave it at arrogant. And he obviously has. He wants to retool this roster in the way that he sees fit. Uh, very, he was very angry after the uh, loss to West Brom, which not only gave City the title, but also was a humiliating defeat uh, in and of itself, <laughs> as they are the uh, definite last-place team in the Premier League, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Uh, what, do you, what are your thoughts on him, first of all, as the club manager? Do you see him there long-term? Because a lot of times when tough situations have come up in the past, he seems to, to cut and run like he did at Chelsea in 2016. And do you think that he's the right guy going forward? What do you think about your season as a whole uh, for United? Well, I'll take Liverpool's draw against West Brom. And um, I think they won this weekend as a consolation. But yeah, it was a, it was a demoralising defeat. I don't, I don't like Mourinho. Um, I think from a psychological point of view, the way he portrays himself on the touchline can hardly be inspiring for a player um firstly i mean when you're 2-0 up in a game and your manager sat there um miserable as fuck it, it, it's not really fantastic for the players that's one thing um i think he's highly defensive but i also, I also think we need to invest in the defense in the summer actually i'm, I'm surprised by our defensive record it's uh, the second best in the league which is incredible considering that lindelof's been playing I'm I'm not overly confident with Small. I think the only defender that I'm confident with and that is a leader in that defence is probably Bai. Um But he's been injured for most of the season. So I I, I think investments in the defence is important. Um, another thing that's frustrated me this season is he continuously plays almost like Liverpool do, an alterating trio at the attack. Um, I mean, when you've got Lukaku coming in from the right-hand side when he could be playing as a target man inside the penalty area. It takes away a massive threat that you could have. I mean, I know Sanchez scored there the other week, but nine times out of ten, when you're playing a cross into Juan Mata or um, Sanchez, when you could have Lukaku in the box, the the opposing team are going to win the ball in the box, and it's frustrating to watch Mourinho's team. And obviously, we know the situation with Pogba. I think he looks better in a three-man midfield with Herrera 
and Matic, but Mourinho continuously changes things. So you think one thing's going good one week, and the next week he'll change it. So, I, I, yeah, I, I'm not confident with Mourinho whatsoever. Uh, not that it's comparable uh, position for position, but does it bother you as a United fan? Because United uh, is a club with uh, massive tradition. They are absolutely the most dominant Premier League side over the past quarter century. There's there's no questioning that. Does it bother you that mm. you spent so much money on Lukaku and Liverpool spent what they spent on Salah and you look at the goal production of the two players? Um, I think Lukaku... He's been underrated this season for what he's done, but yeah, you do have to look at the difference between um, Salah and Lukaku. I, I think he's just a money in general. I mean, Mourinho's been making um, noise about the fact that he hasn't had enough money to spend, um, I've heard in the past, which is insanity, to be honest. Um yeah, Man United have been a frustrating team this season, to be honest. Um, I think I think it's more the system rather than the personnel that is the issue. I think his system is highly instructive. I don't think the players have much freedom in his system, whereas you look at Liverpool and there's so much freedom in their play, which is why they're so successful in the attack. I mean, you've got to look at the difference between how many goals Liverpool scored and even Manchester City in the attack compared to United this season. Goal scoring's definitely been an issue this season. Mm-hmm. If I told you before the season that you guys were going to finish in second place, would you would you have been satisfied with that? Well, if you compare our history since um, Sir Alex Ferguson's retired, then yeah, I, I would be happy with the finish. It, it's the way it's been done. I think the performances are... Very underwhelming. Um, I've always been one who prefers results over the performance, but when the performance is, is as underwhelming as some of Manchester United's performances this season, then, um, yeah, it's frustrating to watch. So who do you guys, where do you see Manchester United going in the summer as far as uh, who's going to, because Mourinho's talking about a massive overhaul. So who do you see as kind of like the big departures and who do you see as targets of coming in? Um, I think Darmian would be gone, uh, definitely. There's, he's been linked to Juventus. I think Darmian would definitely go in the summer. Um, possibly Luke Shaw. The way that Mourinho's treated him has been disgraceful. I mean, he had a terrible leg break and Mourinho could have hardly filled him with confidence when he's talking about the way he trains and publicly criticising him, which is never a good tactic, although Mourinho does like to do that a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Luke Shaw could maybe be gone. I think possibly a, a, a good switch for Manchester United, um, whether it's possible, could potentially be Danny Rose in the summer. Oh. We're for a Luke Shaw swap, um, but probably Manchester United are going to have to be putting money up front um, for Danny Rose too in that deal. I, I think that could be a good switch, potentially. Um, so I think, yeah, a new left-back would be good. Investment in the central defensive areas um, and probably another player just to boost our attack. But like I say, I think instead of the personnel, I do think it's the way we're playing the system. Very well. Um, like I said, they're, they're Manchester United are definitely a team to keep your eye out on this summer. I think that they will be very active in the transfer window. 
mm-hmm. no matter how you feel about them, if you're for them, against them, they are a very, very important, big, prestigious club. They will always be there in the Premier League championship uh, discussion. So it, it's, it's you know, with Mourinho, you never know. He's, he's, he's a guy that can, he, he, I mean, he has these emotional outbursts and, and you kind of laugh at the guy because you can't take him seriously. I mean, the rant that he had uh, a few months ago was just priceless. 12 minutes of, of, of just ranting about after the Champions League lost to Sevilla, kind of throwing his own team under the bus, uh, saying, yeah, he's beaten United too, you know, twice. Yeah, I've done it. I've done it twice. Like, <laughs> I just, I, I, I don't understand the tactics from him. He seems like the only guy, if I recall, as an Inter fan that was pissed off to win the treble. Um, I, 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 it's it. Mourinho's a, he's a, he's a, he's a curious guy, and I would have warned uh, Man United if I, you know, could go back in time, probably that buyer beware on him as manager. Just look at the Chelsea situation and take that as as kind of. Yeah. A, it's um, quite my dislike for him. That there was quite a funny quote because Guardiola's come out of saying, you know, the Premier League's the most important thing to win. And he said, look, when I won the Champions League, I said the Champions League was the most important thing to win. Mm-hmm. When I won the Premier League, it was the most important thing. When I won the Domestic Cups, it was the most important thing. And then he said, when I win nothing, I just said that winning isn't important. <laughs> I thought, I, although I, I'm not the greatest fan of him, I thought that, I thought that was pretty much typical Mourinho. <laughs> I agree. Alex, real quick, um, I'm not going to ask you on Liverpool's season uh, recap. I, I think we all know where we stand on that. I do want to ask you, is take this Champions League success for what it is. Uh, we have not played the final yet. And <clears> Liverpool's, um, I would say, 99.9% top four finish into account. So win, lose, or draw against Real Madrid. Well, there won't be a draw. It's win or lose. But win or lose against Real Madrid, the Champions League is pretty much secure for next season. Is next season the year that Klopp, really has to go up to the Premier League title. Is, is, it, is, it, is it next season or bust for him? Um, well, first of all, I think the, the Sunday's game against uh, Chelsea is probably the most important in the whole campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, if we win, we guarantee Champions League next season. Mm-hmm. Um, bearing in mind... You know, the last two seasons we've had under Klopp, it has actually been a progression. It really has. But um, <clears throat> next season, actually, no matter what happens this Champions League campaign, if we win it or not, I know that, or I'm pretty sure that we will attract the very best players. I'm, I'm pretty sure because it's... it's I think most people that understand football that know that we're on a trajectory, mm-hmm. and it's it's at the moment in the last season, season and a half has been linear. It's been completely linear trajectory. So I think in terms of attracting talent for next season for our Premier League campaign, I don't think that if we lose or win. It doesn't matter. Um, if we win, brilliant. If if we, if we lose, then I still think there's we're going to attract 
top talent and next season is going to be the season that Klopp is going to be under pressure just because of the pure nature of the English media. Let me because ask you, the fact he said like four seasons ago, uh, sorry, three seasons ago, he, he wants to win trophies and he hasn't delivered. If he didn't win it, he hasn't delivered. So yes, there will be a pressure on him and he will feel it. And I think he knows that as well. Let me ask you this. If he wins the Champions League, which will then be two Champions League titles for Liverpool since they last won. They've never won, actually. I will take that back. They've never won the Premier League since it's inception. Never, never, never. So, if he wins the club's second Champions League, will that be, well, since since the Premier League uh, found, found founding, let me put that in there, and in, into uh, kind of a asterisk there. Will that alleviate some of the pressure um, from having to win the league title? Will that, will that help him out a little bit? I don't think it will. I think that, that fans will look back and notice that the 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 losses at Anfield and the draws we've had are consistent in the last couple of seasons, and we haven't really addressed that. And it has been consistent. Uh, I don't know the numbers off by heart, but if that happens next season, um, I think Liverpool fans are too clever to realise. That well, we, we, we cannot go on without making these draws wins and, and not really challenge them. We need to challenge next season no matter what. No matter what happens. So my question then I think, would be... I think it's fair. I think it's fair to um, give him that pressure. Um, I think Liverpool's issues is against the smaller teams. FSG have the money to do that now. To help him. But, Sorry, yeah. go, go, what were you saying, George? I think Liverpool's issue is, like I said, about the unsustainability of their play. I think where they play with such high fullbacks, the smaller teams, especially because um, their record's been incredibly good against the uh, bigger teams, um, it's been the fact that they play with high fullbacks, teams can catch them on the counter attack. I mean, Looking at some of the games they've drawn, they've drawn against Burnley, Newcastle, just looking through the list now. Watford. Um, yep, yeah, that was the opening game. Um, 1-0 loss to Swansea. 1-0 loss to Swansea, uh, loss against West Brom. I mean, those are games that if you're competing for the Premier League title, you, you simply cannot continuously keep slipping up um, against those sort of teams. Uh, so, Alex, what do you think, Alex, as far as Liverpool's uh, summer shopping? What what else, besides Nabi Keita, what else do you think they are going to go after and successfully uh, achieve in getting, as far as players go, to create uh, some sort of consistency as far as not drawing these teams, as George just said, uh, Burnley, uh, Watford, Swansea, uh, you see me. You can beat Manchester City three times a Stoke season. The other day too. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Stoke. Uh, and well, that's two draws actually uh, in in the league the last two weeks. Um, so, Alex, what what does Liverpool need to go shopping for this this off season? Um, of course, we have the money to do it. 
and we could go shopping for proper talent, like, you know, Diablo, maybe, I don't know, Loud loves a seat there. But I, <laughs> I really still think that we should be giving our young guns a tryout. You know, the, the, the Red Barnes and the Wilsons. He's had a great season at Hull. Um, we shouldn't overlook that. Um, yeah. I don't know too much about who he could go for, but for me, it'd be Diablo. Um, I'd really, really like to see young guns get a tryout. Because, you know, they're, they're chomping at the bit, and why not? Mm. It's work for Tottenham. Yeah, absolutely. Bradley, Bradley Kane. I really, really yeah. want that to happen. Like, then, I guess, if, if we're up 3 4 0 up from the first games, bring, bring them on. Some of the cup games, why not? And I really want more focus on that. We should probably talk about that more often, I think. Well, it'd be good if yeah. Liverpool sort of separate themselves from the pack of the clubs that are spending lots of money and maybe invest in yeah. their youth, invest time in their youth. Um, yeah, exactly. Bring them through. Plot, I'd definitely gain a lot more respect there. Klopp's the perfect manager to enable that person. Um, yeah. Apart from anyone else I can think of in the Premier League. Definitely. Well, guys, it's, 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 it's going to be an interesting uh, summer. So obviously, we have um, for, we have the, some of the, some of the uh, cup finals coming up, the domestic cup finals, obviously the Champions League final now set. Uh, I'm going to call it, call it a night right here, right now. I want to thank all three of my guests. Uh, Alex, the late arrival, <laughs> Alex Miller, uh, he came to the show. Uh, we got George Bennett and, of course, Richard Carmen. Richard, I would like for you now to tell the people, the good people, uh, the listeners, uh, where they can find your work and uh, where what, what you're doing right now, currently, what you're working on. You can find it on infomercials for 1995. No, uh, you can find me at <laughs> SO4, SO4 underscore podcast, and that's the Shaka podcast. And then you can find me at Syria Sit Down, at Syria Sit Down. Uh, and then to follow me personally, it's at R underscore K H A R M A N. Ah, yes, the man with the three Twitter handles. I love it. Of course. Uh, that's that's kind of yeah that's that's kind of the trend now these days so yeah you got to got to have three Twitter handles Rich, Richard's a very important man <laughs> uh, George um, tell the tell the good listeners real quick what, what's your um, what are you working on right now as far as your projects go with the with the new blog and where can they find you on social media Well, I like you previously had uh, GB articles, but um, the the current Facebook page is still called GB articles, but um, the new site is. Um, thegoldmouthscramble.net um, and I mean you'll be able to find the Facebook page and the Twitter handle on there uh, we just mainly concentrate on a variety of leagues uh, looking at sort of expanding to the MLS and um, covering we're going to be obviously covering a lot of the World Cup um, just different report types really opinionated uh, player portraits um, just whatever appeals to everyone else but yeah so the URL there will guide you to our social media platforms too. I, I want to give a shout out quick. Sure. Uh, give a shout out to uh, my uh, one of our best friends at university. He's um, he's just 
um, launched a new club down in Florida called FC Prime. Mm-hmm. Daniel Tidmarsh and um, Chris Hurphy. Um, they just yeah they launched a new club for women, men, young guns. Um, so yeah, they they just launched there and they've got lots of talent and lots of experience and they'll be big in the future, I think. So um, yeah, I just want to give a shout out to FC Prime, Florida. Absolutely, Alex, and and yeah, we'll keep an eye on them. And uh, I know you don't do social media, but are is there anything LFC or football related that you're working on right now? Or are you just are you just down at the Phoenix Landing, just enjoying the scenery? Just out to the Phoenix Landing, just enjoying what we having. Awesome. Just having, yeah, got there about twelve o'clock today, about three hours to spare. Just about got a table, so um, it, it's kicking. So I'll be there on Saturday, the twenty sixth of May. Pulling the shit out of it. Um, yeah, bring it on. Real Madrid. I had to go back into the history books to figure out what kit he was wearing. It was actually a 2006 to 2008. The white stripes around the, the chest and the back gave it away. The Steven Gerrard 2006-2008 LFC kit. Alex's girlfriend was wearing the brand new, well, that's not brand new, but this season's away kit. I believe that was the Salah, right? That's right. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh got a little cameo. Awesome. Well, guys, i um, going to go wrap it up. I do want to send a couple shout-outs real quick myself. Um, I want to thank BBB Buzz. That's at BBB Buzz. They're the uh, Borussia Dortmund uh, uh, do-it-all website. They, they comment on transfer rumors, uh, updates, uh, news, uh, match recaps. I myself am a writer for them, so I do appreciate them uh, sh- shouting out this podcast today, as well as uh, uh, Nima from the Semper Inter podcast. He did the same thing. I would like to give much love to him, uh, fellow Interisti, uh, and of course uh, my friend uh, Julian at uh, German Football Daily, as well as uh, Helen. Uh, her <clears throat> Twitter handle is at Heli LF. Oh, excuse me, <laughs> Heli LFC X O eight. She is a big supporter of the podcast, a uh, big supporter of all of the participants, guests, and everything. She really has gone out of her way to, to, to put the word out about uh, Kings of Europe. So I just wanted to give her a quick shout-out. Gentlemen, is there anything else you have to say, or shall I let you go in peace? Uh, I do apologize for all the technical difficulties. Again, this is South Carolina. They don't pay the bills here, so I, I can't. I can't. You know, It's the deep south in the United States. There's a lot of poor people. What can I say? Oh, sorry. <laughs> all right well gentlemen if that's it then that's it uh i want to thank you all for joining me tonight i look forward to having each and every one of you on again in the near future uh thank you so much and ale 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 liverpool to the final in kiev